Well, hello and welcome to Finding Our Way, our Southridge Church member podcast designed to give people the inside scoop on life in our church. Here's our host and lead pastor, Jeff Lockyer. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of Finding Our Way uh, as we continue to pursue the way of Jesus together. And, you know, if you've been tracking with us for some time that every month or so, Uh, We stop and we check in with someone from this emerging generation and just give them a voice on life and faith and the church. And I'm really excited today to be joined by a great young leader in our context here at Southridge, a young woman by the name of Victoria Archibald. So Victoria, welcome to our podcast. Thanks for being here. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. Uh, If you could start off first things first, just by introducing yourself, telling us a little bit about yourself, you know, family background, where you're from, all that kind of stuff, so that we can get to know you a bit better. Mm -hmm. So I am currently in my fourth year at Brock University. I am from a small town called Halliburton. A lot of people have cottages up there. So I grew up um, up there and was a part of a church up there. And my dad is actually the executive director at a camp that um, works year-round. So I was pretty involved in that growing up and actually took a program between high school and coming to post-secondary, a leadership program there called Prasago. So that was super awesome. And yeah, I'm just um, in my fourth year now. I have two years left after this of teacher's college and then We'll be moving on to some other exciting things after that, hopefully. Um, just a question about living in cottage country. Like <laughs> when you visit cottage country for a week or two, you always wonder what it would be like to live there year round. What, what's one thing that people who visit cottage country don't know about living there year round? Um, it would definitely be like in the winter and it's dark at like 5 p.m., and you got to run and go get groceries before dinner, it's empty. Like Main Street, empty. There's like one car. There's not a single soul there. We never have traffic jams. You cottagers cause all the traffic jams, which is great. We love having you. Um, But like in the winter, it's like a whole different dynamic because there's just no one there. So it's really funny um, seeing kind of that juxtaposition. Before I got married, I lived in Port Dalhousie for a few years, and uh, it's not definitely not cottage country, but it is a lot more for people in Niagara. It's mm-hmm. a lot more active in the summer, and the winter kind of felt like that. You'd go down to a restaurant or you know neighborhood pub and whatever, and it was dead. And yeah, <laughs> I can imagine cottage country kind of being like that too. So, uh, hey, you're in your fourth year at Brock, and not from Niagara. So, how did you get connected with Southridge, and what's your history been with with our local church? Yeah, so I, um, because I took that year off program, it kind of made me, I just had a lot of initiative coming in because I had experienced um, intensive Christian community. I had experienced a lot of opportunities to serve um, and a lot of growth in my faith. And I knew that I did not want to just plateau there. I wanted to keep that momentum going. So I actually found out about Southridge um, just from the website. I was just looking some stuff up before I actually moved here to Niagara Um, And I came to Southridge in, I think, about November of my first year. So that would have been 2018. And since then, I've had a ton of different opportunities, um, different volunteering and um, some different ways to get plugged in. So that's been been really awesome to be able to grow with this community for the past kind of three or four years. 
So you've been here full pandemic. Yep. How was Southridge during the pandemic? Uh, very challenging. I, I'm very extroverted. So there was a few times like I'd just kind of be in my room because I'm a student again, so I don't live with family or anything like that. It's a pretty independent lifestyle in that capacity. Um, so there were some days I would just be kind of in my room watching by myself. And I remember there was one time, I think it was Justin Bricks and he was um, doing a song or something and he kind of panned out to like the empty auditorium. And I was like, oh my goodness, I'm in my room by myself doing church. This is not the way this should be. Um, so there's definitely some of those more challenging times, but also some really beautiful times of seeing how community was able to kind of rise above and continue on, um, even though it was a pretty challenging time for a lot of people. I, I can imagine for, for students it being excruciatingly difficult. Um, you've talked about some of the uh, involvement around our church. We'll get into some of that a little bit later, but uh, talk to us about what you're doing for work these days. Yes. So I, since first year, I've been working part-time at a greenhouse. So that's still going um, once in a while. I'm doing that about once a week. And then as of recent, I've been able to join the staff team at the shelter as of this September. Um, so I'm doing a few shifts a week there and I'm absolutely loving that. So that's been a really fun and new and exciting portion of this year for me. And we're excited to have you around. So that's uh, kind of the newest chapter of your life. Mm -hmm. Being a, an insider now. Yes. Seeing under the hood and yep. all of the reality and humanity so <laughs> yeah i can't wait to hear you talk about that um i want to circle back to just your your comments about how you got connected as a university student and uh I, i'm just wondering like is there anything else that you could share or help us understand about your like website search i i, I guess i'm particularly wondering like what was it about southridge knowing that you could search all kinds of churches Mm -hmm. across the Niagara region on the internet. What was it about Southridge that initially uh, attracted you? Yeah, so I, since I was living at camp, um, I saw one of the initial things that kind of made Southridge stand out for me was actually the shelter specifically, but even more specifically in that we had a rock climbing program that um, is no longer going on, but before COVID, we would actually have a bunch of volunteers and some residents from the shelter and even just community members, and we would all go rock climbing together. So I saw that. I saw like some random video from like 2013, and I was like, I want to do that. Like, this is so cool. It's like serving and investing in people and rock climbing, and it's all in one, and I want to be a part of that. And so that was one thing that kind of made it stand out for me. Um, and then I came with a few friends. We were kind of just testing out a few different churches, and it was really funny because um, Nate Dirks was speaking and it was the Hope Live series back in 2018. And I remember two things that stood out. Nate was talking about, I believe he had some experience where he had gone to Nicaragua um, on some sort of missional experience and I had gone there. So I was like, bam, we have that in common. That's super cool. And that was really close to my heart. And then Nate, I don't, I don't even know if I've told him this, but he had a Nalgene water bottle, which is the classic like camp. You load it up with all your cool stickers Everyone at camp had one and he had that just sitting on the table as he's doing this sermon. And so I was like, you know what? This is my church and immediately got plugged in right off the bat because I was ready to get invested and get involved and settle in somewhere. 
Uh, you know what's so funny about that, Victoria, is you're not the first person that's talked to me about Nate's Nalgene water bottle <laughs> and what that communicated to them about who he was and who we were as a church. Man, it's all for and a reason. I, yeah, like if church leaders are listening and you want to connect <laughs> with the next gen, like it's not skinny jeans, it's the Nalgene water bottle. Okay, yes. It's not the goatee. It's not the cool glasses. It's the Nalgene water bottle. That's uh, the, the big takeaway of yeah. this podcast. <laughs> yeah. Um, what, what would you say then, because, you know, we've got people at Southridge and then leaders from churches way beyond Southridge that listen into this. What, what would you say in your experience that Southridge did that, for lack of a better term, worked mm-hmm. for an emerging gen person like yourself? Yeah, so I really appreciated and I kind of got the sense of this right off the bat that there were a lot of tangible opportunities to live out my faith at Southridge. And so I appreciated that it's not just a come to Sunday, hear the talk, do the worship, go home and try to figure out how this fits into the rest of your life on your own. Um, There was a lot of opportunities, no matter what your interest or your gifting or your passion, there was just so many ways to get plugged in, so many ways to invest in others um, and do things kind of beyond yourself. And so I noticed that and I really appreciated that those opportunities were readily available and that we were consistently encouraged to do that. Um, And that's one thing that I think just making that accessible to people and kind of setting it there and saying, here is a way you can serve, Um, come and get it and we'll help you along the way was really, really something that worked for me. Hmm, Fantastic. I I appreciate the, uh, you know, it wasn't necessarily the the teaching or the programming, but actually the opportunity for output Mm -hmm. and to engage in practicing the way of Jesus, living out yep. the way of Jesus. Uh, interesting that it's more about the output than about the input. That's, uh, yes. I think, been very inspiring about this emerging gen. And I hope that church leaders uh, know that about you uh, in order to to facilitate that more in their context. Mm-hmm. Um, in that vein, you know, now being part of the shelter specifically around here, you work with a number of other emerging gen leaders that the, the shelter is kind of full of these, uh, I won't even call you up and comers because mm-hmm. you're the, 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 the today, not the future. Uh, so I want to give you a little bit of opportunity to speak on behalf of them. What, what do you sense in, in this crowd that you're now a part of and your work colleagues, what, what do you sense is kind of common to this group's and this generation's heartbeat for the church, for God's kingdom, and for just faith in Christ in general? Yeah, so I I really appreciate working with the people that I do. And I think one thing I've noticed is there's a very common kind of call to action. And there's a common desire to really relinquish what's comfortable um, and what we're accustomed to, especially as our, our younger generation kind of has a lot of these um, comforts that we're used to. Um, and there's just a really huge desire to serve God within that and to serve others. Um, And we've obviously had a lot of opportunities to do that within kind of our shelter community, but also just within the broader church context and different people that I've worked with or volunteered with in different capacities. I've seen um, just that desire to kind of lay yourself down. I don't want to stay comfortable and just kind of be complacent as I move through life, but I want to step outside of that and do something a little bit greater than myself in some capacity. Mm, That's phenomenal. what, what do you personally enjoy most 
working with others in this generation? Yeah, I really, I love the energy that um, a lot of kind of, I don't want to say younger, but a lot of this generation kind of brings to the table and a lot of innovative thinking. They kind of have that rethink mindset, um, the desire to take something that works and really critically analyze it, um, think through how we can make it better and create kind of more productive and impactful opportunities um, in whatever vein that's in, whether that's serving or whether that's impacting people or programming. Um, but yeah, just rethinking and being kind of critical in that um, lens and that capacity. And knowing that in the shelter, you know, it, it's, it's a hugely volunteer intensive environment as well. So you do work with other generations. What would you say that you gain as a 20 something working with people from other generations as well? Yeah, I and I'm sure this is probably the classic answer, but I just really appreciate sitting back and learning from other people, obviously within my own generation, but there's people who have experienced far more um, than I have. And I love just giving them the opportunity and really just seeking out kind of that wisdom and those experiences. And I think it's really easy for us to flock to people who look and sound and act like we do, especially as a student, kind of sticking with that. 20-something student, I go to Brock, I do school, and I go and drink coffee at Starbucks, but actually sitting down with someone who has a different frame of reference on the world and broadening my own horizon gives me definitely a more holistic understanding of kind of the image of God as I include other people in that image. And what would you say then about your experiences with intergenerational ministry where have you seen that power and beauty best in your life or, or specifically in our church yeah i've seen it kind of in twofold so a lot in the structured programs that we have so whether that's life group whether that's shelter programming um even our youth ministry tries to engage some mentoring um i've seen the way that southridge prioritizes that and i really appreciate that and that goes back to one of the other things that i really um, drew me to being involved in Southridge. But I've also seen that a lot in just kind of the personal relationships. When I first came, one of my goals, and I'm kind of trying to re-get into this as we were coming back from this COVID year off, not year off, but year apart, um, is trying to talk to someone new every single week and kind of build up that church community. Because as a student, you come in and you don't really know anyone and you don't have for me, I had my parents at my home church who I, they would introduce me to people and I'd kind of be involved through them. Um, but getting involved and having some of those relationships that are built that go outside of my school friends, but having um, some older couples and some families and um, just such a vast variety of different people who I get to share meals with and be invited into their lives, um, go and do things outside of church together. That has been, for me personally, also one of the ways that that intergenerational ministry has really happened and been really impactful. I love it because for people kind of in my era or my, my generation, we feed off the energy of other generations, especially younger, uh, more emerging generations, but it's it really inspiring and encouraging to watch them feed off our energy as well. It's like, mm -hmm. wow, it, it, when you actually engage in these multi-generational contexts um it, it is really amazing the way that you can feed off each other and uh god's best for each other i i just love that so yeah. in that spirit 
uh, I want to kind of tap into more of your generation's heart and thinking here. I know you've recently, uh, in the last number of years, been part of more kind of discussions with and about specifically the emerging generation in our in our community. What would you say is the heartbeat of our emerging generation of leaders when it comes to the church and the kingdom? How do they think about these things? Hmm. Yeah, this question, there's so many different ways that I think one could take it. And I think to put it simply, um, for me personally, and what I've seen in a lot of my peers is there's just a real desire to simply honor God and serve people within that. And that obviously um, goes into every single realm of our lives in terms of how that looks or how that can, that can be um, done. But through our teaching, leadership, investment, kind of focusing on involving God and drawing closer to him through that. Um, and then in the same vein, serving people um, as a result of that calling and as a result of um, desiring to invite people in and love them well. I think those are kind of two of the main points that I come to when I think of the heartbeat behind this generation and how we want to um, invest in the church and the kingdom. So when you talk about faith and church and things like that with your peers, what would you say the emerging generation wants to at a practical level, what do they want to see more of? And conversely, what do they want to see less of? Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I don't want to claim to speak for my entire generation. So I'm putting that disclaimer out there. Um, but I think one thing that's been on my heart and that I know a lot of my peers would probably agree, agree on and share kind of a similar heart is the value of mentorship. And that kind of goes hand in hand with discipleship. But both for ourselves in terms of investing in the younger generation um, that's coming up behind us, but then also in receiving some of that mentorship from um, older generations. And I think it's scary because a lot of my generation isn't probably super keen on just walking up to a random person and saying like, hey, I need guidance, I need wisdom, I need someone to hold me accountable, do you wanna do life with me? And in the same realm, you guys are not probably gonna walk up and be like, hey, I have wisdom. I'm here to help you guys out. But I think that those relationships have been some of the most meaningful and especially for myself um, at camp, experiencing kind of two sides of being a camper and receiving that um, mentorship from the cabin leaders as I was growing up and now kind of transitioning into a leadership role on my staff team, um, doing life together and walking through life and having someone to empower you and get you invested and involved and encourage you to do that is really important in terms of seeing less of this is I don't know it's a tricky question and I think there's again so many different things to say and different ways that people would answer that I know and I don't think this relates specifically to Southridge but I know that a lot of people kind of when they think of our generation think that we need some big flashy show that's really appealing and kind of showy performance um us to remain engaged in things such as worship or programming but I know it's true for a lot of people that they really are just looking for um, simple and authentic moments to experience God and so I think keeping that in mind and not trying to create this big show so that people will come um, but be creating a space that they can just encounter God would be something that I think people often think our generation wants. And I don't know if that's really the case for people. 
That's a 10 out of 10 comment. And I hope for the church leaders who are listening that assume more hype equals more relevance to an emerging generation, uh, that, that assumption might not be as true as you think. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's, that's, that's a great comment. Um, you know, Victoria, these conversations about our emerging gen have over the last number of years, uh, resulted in some experiments and initiatives and, you know, different things that we tried to kind of pull together for our emerging gen. What have you seen that has been difficult or challenging about engaging this emerging generation of leaders in the life of the church? Yeah, I two challenges come to mind. And I think the first one is that a lot of young people don't feel like they have the entitlement or the permission to maybe insert themselves or really jump into those opportunities. I was really blessed. I grew up in a family that was really engaged in the church and encouraged um, me and my sister to get involved in serving. And so when I came to Southridge, the first day I came, I was like, all right, I'm going to church here. I'm getting involved. I'm going to sign up. I ended up accidentally signing up for like a ton of random things. I met with like an elder by accident and it all just kind of happened. But I was like, sure, let's get plugged in in any way we can. But I think that that kind of takes a lot of courage and maybe doesn't come naturally to a lot of people. And they don't feel like they have that sense of belonging to just insert themselves into these situations. Um, And so I think kind of the way to solve that would be definitely having people engage or initiate or um, yeah, just try to get younger people involved and definitely invite them in. Cause I like, there are opportunities that I've been offered that I definitely would not have volunteered for or kind of been like, hello, I will come do this. Um, But having someone ask me to do that caused me to do it. And that was always a really cool opportunity. And then the second challenge definitely comes back to kind of that mentorship concept that Um, if people aren't engaged in a community or maybe a one-on-one relationship within the church that is challenging them to step up and outside of their comfort zone and complacency, it becomes really hard and takes a lot of courage to kind of get up and start doing something. I know a lot of church leaders are listening, wondering, like, to put it sort of crudely, what works Mm -hmm. in engaging the next or the emerging generation? From your perspective and from the perspective of your peers, what are you seeing that's effective? Yeah, so I think one thing that, and I know that we're focusing a lot on intergenerational um, relationships, and I think those are super valuable. And as I was kind of reflecting, I think one thing that may be also important is creating a space where people feel safe to come or invite others in, specifically from this generation, where they can kind of invite them in. It's a safe space. They're surrounded by peers. It's kind of um, maybe oriented towards a young adult group. Um, And then from that, having opportunities to, hey, you should get involved with doing worship or you should get involved in the shelter or whatever it may be, kind of um, empowering people out of that, but not having that initial space for young people to come into the church and experience it, especially people who maybe... um, aren't believers or don't have their faith kind of as a priority in their lives, they're not just going to jump into church, start getting plugged in and have all these opportunities just come their way. They need kind of that on-ramp. And so I think having some of those spaces, so I know we've done different things in the past and are kind of working through what that might look like in the future, but 
having those spaces that kind of on ramp people into taking more initiative within um, church community and just within their faith in general. One thing as a lead pastor that I was fascinated by this past summer and even into the fall was this kind of organic, I'll call it a little bit of a movement called Bibles and Beaches. Were you involved in, in this at all? Or are you aware of what was going on uh, in relation to that at all? Can you speak to that at all? I, I'll try to, but if you are more familiar with it, what yes. was going on there? So I will not take credit for being a huge part of this. I went once and it happened to be the day that we took the selfie that got posted on the Instagram. So in writing, I was definitely a part of it. In the context of that entire experience, I was just a small portion of it because I ended up working um, almost every single night that it was running. But it was a time where a bunch of young adults went to a beach and we just brought our Bibles and it was super simple, super meaningful, just really organic. We walked through um, a chapter of scripture. I think they were working through Romans, I believe, when I was there. And we would just read through it, read it in a circle, whatever people were feeling in that moment, and then just discuss it. And it was just the simplicity of it was just so exceptional and so meaningful and just having a chance for people to just express how they feel. And in a smaller group where you could um, have a chance where everyone got to share their thoughts, was it was just really, really cool to be a part of that. Yeah, I would say for church leaders listening that think there needs to be some big sophisticated program or that it needs to be entertainment-based or fluff because this emerging generation isn't interested in the serious things of scripture. Like I watched this happen over the summer, this group of you know, younger people initiate this themselves and you know, create some communication and kind of rally their own peers to this, mm -hmm. to just go to the beach and sit around with their Bibles, open them and talk about Christ and faith from a biblical perspective. It was super inspiring in the simplicity, but also in the serious mindedness of yes. it. I was, I was very inspired by that. Um, as a bonus, because this is all about, uh, you know, engaging the emerging gen as a voice in the church. I, I just want to take some moments to let you be that voice and kind of get your take on some of the ways that God's been growing us as a church lately. Um, certainly as a shelter staff member, you have a front row seat to how we're doing, at least in our St. Catharines location, at fostering this mutuality and reciprocity through what we call friendship that makes a difference with the marginalized. How would you say that's going? What are you learning about that? Um, I have just absolutely loved being a part of our shelter community over the past three years. I volunteered there um, for my first, second, and third-ish year, kind of took a little bit of a break with COVID, obviously, um, and then I'm now on staff. And that has just been such a cool renewal of my understanding of relationship and what that means. Um, it's been really awesome seeing the way that we've just brought so many volunteers in and just provided so many opportunities for people to engage in that community. And I just have to say, like, the position that I'm in as a staff has just been such an honor to actually have authentic opportunities to step into the lives of others and kind of leave my students, school, all these problems and issues that really, when you get down to it, are fairly um, insignificant in the light of my life and everything going on in this world. And to just 
broaden my horizon and just hear someone else's story um, has been so cool. And just the how meaningful those discussions can be sometimes. Um, often they are and how uplifted I can feel from, from being a part of those relationships has just been really, really cool. And I am so excited. I know we're starting to bring lots of volunteers back now after COVID, after a little bit of a a break with that so that's been really cool and I'm excited for people to experience that kind of in the same way that I've had the opportunity to. What would you say you've been learning over the past couple of years as we've tried to provide a greater degree of focus on issues of racism and racial injustice? Um, I have learned that complacency is unacceptable and that having the right mindset is not really enough and that we are definitely called to action within that. For some people that might look like some more structured action, um, being a part of programming or things through our church or in the community that help combat um, racism in society. But for all of us, whether we're a part of those more structured actions or not, um, these kind of anti-racist mindsets that we might hold need to actually influence our interactions, our conversations and our decisions because Racism is actively happening around us every day. And so I think learning and leaning into that, and I have appreciated the way that um, our church has decided to kind of meet that head on and not just leave that on the wayside and let it kind of drift by, but that we're actually working through those issues in society as a church. I've really appreciated that. Knowing your story, Victoria, you know, growing up in a camp environment and pretty connected to your local church, uh, it sounds like you've always been a, a pretty empowered female, but knowing the value that that is and has been for the last decade or so around Southridge, have you been able to feel any kind of difference or what, what would you notice about the, the kind of climate of female empowerment uh, in our local church? Yeah, so I haven't actually had a ton of um, opportunity kind of working in that I guess, initiative head on, but I have really appreciated what I've been hearing about that from different people and kind of seeing it happen around me has been so encouraging. Um, and I'm just so excited, I, obviously, as a woman, like that Southridge sees the value um, in building up these these young girls and investing in them and empowering them. Um, and just, yeah, acknowledging the foundational role that they, they play in bearing the image of God is really exciting. And I I've just loved kind of cheering that initiative on from the sidelines and seeing that um, play out has been a really bless a real blessing. And I'm just really excited that that is happening in our church. We got to wrap this up soon. Uh, mm -hmm. Are there any other issues Southridge has been facing or the church at large has been facing that you'd want to speak into as, as an emerging gen leader around here? Yeah, I think one thing I've really appreciated, I know um, many believers, including myself, have found it pretty challenging to know where to start and what to do um, in navigating kind of what the Christians, um, in quotations, have done um, to Indigenous people in the past and just some of the horrendous stories and things that are coming to light now. And I think that I've really appreciated the way that Southridge has leaned into reconciliation with our Indigenous friends and that that is through um, respect and reciprocity and, and inclusion. I've appreciated kind of being a part of that as well and that, again, we're not leaving that to be an issue that society is dealing with, but that we are working through that as a church has been 
been really good and I'm excited to see um, some more of that as we're moving forward with yeah just it's just really heavy and it's really challenging and I I appreciate having um, my church body kind of come alongside me as we're working through what that looks like for us. Hmm. That's encouraging because we're going to be staring that in the face again uh, in our upcoming Hope Live series in November. So stay tuned. Um, just thinking, Victoria, are there any final encouragements or challenges to our listeners, both our local church members and leaders from other ministries and churches who are tracking with us uh, when it comes to this emerging generation's perspective on faith and the church and its future? Yeah, I think overall, just remembering that the whole point of all of this, the whole point of empowering young people and um, taking opportunities to lead and all of that stuff is really just to grow closer to Jesus and help others do the same. And I think um, one kind of quote or thing that I come back to is encouraging people, like follow me as I follow Christ. And um, I think that it's really important to involve obviously this generation and to empower and uplift them. And if you are a part of this younger generation, I would definitely encourage you to, um, if you're not already, go and get involved in something. Um, do something of value in your community because it's just going to build that community up and make it so much better. Really appreciate you sitting with us today, Victoria, and uh, know that those of us listening, both from our community and, and beyond, are not just inspired today by some of the things that you shared, but at a higher level, just really encouraged by the future that the church has based on the heart and the commitment and just the passion and faith of our emerging generation. You guys are not the future. You're our today. And uh, you certainly give us a lot of optimism and hope and confidence for uh, the seasons ahead. We're really, we're really excited to, to be able to do this together. So thanks for joining in with us today. Thank you so much, Jeff. And all of you, thanks again for tracking with us. Uh, we'll see you in seven days uh, as we continue to finding our way together. Take care, everybody. Mm-hmm.